this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the in focus podcast this is g sampath your host for today's episode during the recent cabinet reshuffle the government announced a whole new ministry the ministry of cooperation this ministry's mandate the government says is to provide a separate administrative legal and policy framework for strengthening the cooperative movement in the country this is interesting because the opposition has already said it's an attempt by the center to take over a domain that comes under the state government critics have also read political significance into the fact that this ministry is being headed by home minister amit shah So what exactly is the rationale for the Ministry of Cooperation does India's cooperative sector need a centralized ministry of this kind and how will this impact the vast universe of India's cooperatives to explore these questions we have with us professor shambhu prasad from the institute of rural management anand his areas of expertise include social entrepreneurship producer collectives rural livelihoods sustainable agriculture an entrepreneurial ecosystem professor prasad welcome to the infocus podcast thank you sampath and the hindu for hosting me professor prasad to start with uh, a fundamental question uh, the government claims that the ministry of cooperation Uh, we aim to provide a separate administrative legal and policy framework for strengthening the cooperative movement in the country does the cooperative movement in our country need a separate uh, framework of this kind so uh, i think there are some positives in looking at a separate administrative framework for example uh, the many of the cooperatives are most of the cooperatives now are under the ministry of agriculture but if you look at the multi state cooperative societies many of them come under housing and other kinds of ministries so trying to have a separate ministry can possibly establish some synergies across the departmental silos so that's the possible rationale for making a separate ministry uh, cooperative enterprises do need clear taxation policies uh, so sometimes you know cooperatives especially we've seen the work on farmer producer organizations there has been a tax exemption given but sometimes the cas don't understand it many of these cooperatives with great difficulty uh, do establish a certain profit and to use a 30% tax rate for them doesn't seem to make much sense the government has given some exemption so some possibility of streamlining this cooperatives sometimes worried about the fact that they don't want to reflect too much profits because they might have to pay other kinds of taxes but on the other hand this affects their ability to raise capital uh and also cooperatives sometimes there is this concern that because they are under the ministry of agriculture they are not treated on par with msmes or they are not provided the same kind of enabling ecosystem framework while talking about startups so i think it is a possibility uh to try and provide a certain direction some amount of guidance to take up a few interesting pilots to bring in innovation 
probably present new thinking. Now, can a new administrative framework create it? One is not sure. I think the main problem is that the cooperative sector leads a lot of energy. And uh, unfortunately, the details on the Ministry of Cooperation uh, in the public domain is still very sparse. So we really don't know which direction this is going. Okay, so taxation and uh, and and efforts to streamline uh, the processes around it seem to be one uh, uh, one clear uh, mandate that this could be looking at. But the government also claims that this uh, ministry is needed to streamline the processes for ease of doing business and uh, enable the development of multi-state cooperative uh, banks. So, what are the problems in in doing business that make it uh, difficult, and what is the status of multi-state cooperative banks in India today? So, uh, I think they, actually, the if you look at the slogan, Sahakar Se, uh, you know, Samriddhi, I think that's the uh, uh, the kind of slogan that is posted around. So, I just want us to take us a little back, bit back on the history of the cooperative movement in India. And I think it's important for us to not forget an important strand of the cooperative movement so while there is the National Cooperative Union of India, just at the turn of independence, there was a, a, a movement known as the Indian Cooperative Union or ICU. This was led by stalwarts like Kamla Devi Chattopadhyay and L.C. Jain. It started off at the time of rehabilitation, I mean, rehabilitation of the refugees um, and later led to building cooperatives like the Cottage Industries, I mean, Emporium or uh, the Super Bazaar and so on. The important point here is that at the time of the founding of the Indian Cooperative Union, uh, the founders went and met Mahatma Gandhi. And this was probably around the time that he was in Delhi and almost the last month. And one of the clear signals that Gandhi gave to them is to try and keep away from the state. And I think what we are seeing here is uh, an excessive post-independence and excessive state interference in the running of what is meant to be a member's initiative and an autonomous institution that re resides outside of the uh, you know, space of the pub public sector in some sense. And I think that is sometimes forgotten. So sometimes we are building more and more uh, edifices around the this, you know, the government providing the, uh, you know, the be all and end all of cooperation, whereas the government should see itself much more as an enabler of doing business. So there has been a lot of interference in the past in uh, the way cooperatives are functioning. The registrar of cooperatives does not do appropriate audit. The Vaidyanathan committee report had uh, suggested significant changes in the way cooperatives should be running. And unfortunately, I don't think many of the recommendations of that has been taken up. So I think if the ministry is really serious about, uh, you know, taking on some of these elements, uh, there is scope uh, for, uh, you know, members actually running their own institutions. As we speak, I think we've just had the Supreme Court announcement of the 97th Amendment. There is a clarification now. So I think there is a slight ray of hope because... Some states in India today have what is known as the Mutually Aided Cooperative Societies Act or MAX Act, uh, and this has not been implemented in many other states. So this enables 
citizens or civil society groups, resident welfare associations, many other kinds of groups to form a cooperative without the interference of the uh, uh, of the government or the register of cooperatives, especially if they are not directly dependent on grants from the government of India. And I think that particular kind of space and their growth has been reasonably good in the state of Andhra Pradesh and Telangana and ideally in certain other states as well. Jammu and Kashmir has accepted the Max Act. So I think while we have the multi-state cooperative banks on the one side, we should not forget that there is a strong possibility of running these somewhat differently. Uh, as I mean, roughly there are about 1,300-odd multi-state cooperative societies of working in the country. Many of them are in credit, some are in housing. Large number of them are in the state of Maharashtra. So there's a lot of... Uh, you know, concerns about the functioning of this MSCBs. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, there was a certain concern that they would come under the PMLA Act of money laundering and so on because they have not been administered well. So again, we are not sure if there is going to be greater control or is it that there is going to be greater regulation and the principles of the cooperative are kept in place where the members are actually having uh, an opportunity to express themselves well. I think that clarity is not quite there right now. Okay. So, some commentators uh, in the context of whether there is going to be greater regulation or not, some commentators trace the background for the creation of the Ministry of Cooperation uh, to the 2019 uh, Punjab and Maharashtra Cooperative Bank Scam or the PMC Bank Scam as it's come to be known. And uh, this scam uh, triggered an ordinance which brought urban and multi-state cooperative banks under the regulatory ambit of the RBI. And uh, so, is the Ministry of Cooperation a continuation of the same process of uh, rejigging regula regulation, which also in this sense is a centralization of the whole uh, regulatory framework? Because this, do, this would then also tie up with what the Supreme Court has said in the judgment you refer to, where it says... Uh, you cannot really uh, be encroaching into the state government's uh, domain. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, as I said, the main issue with the Ministry of Cooperation is that the vision of the ministry is not very clear. And uh, there is no background document. Uh, there is no consultative or white paper about what has happened in the past, what they like to set right, how do they see things in future. And even without that, there's already a celebration that it's either a success or a failure. And I think uh, uh, in terms of opening up a discussion on what could be the role, uh, I, one would have preferred a few months of consultation or more information in the public domain and a clearer articulation of what the vision of the government has. So otherwise, there is a feeling that it is just to try and fix uh, you know, some of the ills that have happened in the cooperative banks or probably a political takeover of some of these uh, institutions as well. So there is a lot of anxiety about uh, uh, these moves. And I think the best way that the anxiety could be allayed is if there was a very clear uh, policy framework or a paper or a, even a document or a vision that says this is how there is going to be a difference. Right. Uh, since, uh, as you pointed out, there is very little uh, from the government side in the public domain, is there anything much that we can gather in terms of how this ministry might affect 
the role of uh, the registrar of cooperative societies uh, and the fact that it is they who have been uh, sort of uh, having the mandate to regulate them how 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 is their role going to be affected if we have a, a like a, an administrative mechanism operating from delhi sure so i think uh, in some sense the uh, you know at the state level some of the registrars of cooperatives are reasonably powerful kind of beings but over a period of time and i think that's important for us to understand that the number of new cooperatives that are getting formed has actually been declining so we are not finding many people enthusiastic about forming a cooperative for various kinds of reasons including the perception that it causes a lot of delay so let me just talk about the agriculture sector so if i were to look at the number of farmer producer companies that have been registered using the companies act uh that's close to about you know some estimates are that we are reaching something like 10000 and you compare the last 5 10 years the number of uh you know cooperatives that have been formed in agriculture we probably will be less than 1000 that's that's the rough kind of estimate so the fact that the faith in the registrar of cooperatives has gone down now will the ministry of cooperation try and ensure that there is a dialogue amongst these registrar of cooperative societies that they follow certain kinds of norms so that the the respect for this institution increases we are not clear about it but uh, hopefully maybe a, a certain kind of guidelines let let's say we have a you know just like you have the swachh bharat rating if you were to try and have all the registrars of cooperatives under a certain kind of rating and if it is possible to bring about best practices of some registrars which probably will put pressure on the other registrars to make a difference that's possibly a a direction that the government is looking at but again information is scarce so uh, coming to another dimension to this whole uh, debate i mean everybody knows that especially in in states like maharashtra for instance uh, the cooperatives are uh, Are, are are to a large extent under the control of various uh, political parties or individual politicians if we take the sugar cooperatives in particular that is very much the case and similar has been the track record of the of, of cooperatives in gujarat as well and many of them uh, are uh, considerably cash rich so are there political implications uh, to the centralization or the attempted centralization of the management of cooperatives they clearly are because uh, as these cooperatives increase in size as in fact one commentator said i mean whether congress mukt bharat happens elsewhere the congress mukt federation has happened in 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 gujarat so in terms of the takeover of uh, the current ruling party on all the milk cooperatives so i think that this probably is a is a phenomenon that is likely to happen once there are large numbers of members uh there would be an interest from political parties to try and make them as an important vote bank um, more successful in gujarat perhaps less successful in in maharashtra so there there would be this natural tendency to move in that direction um and obviously we cannot separate the discussions of cooperatives from the political implications of it and that's all the more reason actually that uh we need to look at the potential of cooperatives having an autonomous kind of spaces today some of the newer kinds of uh, cooperatives that are being formed are reasonably smaller in number so uh, not just in terms of total numbers but in terms of the membership itself 
So a farmer producer co- company today, uh, as per the new guidelines, you could form one with less than with about 300 members as well. And there's a great rush to uh, create large number of farmer producer companies. So maybe the bigger sized ones are 1,000 or 5,000 in comparison to a milk cooperative that you know probably has a membership of a lakh or that runs into a few lakhs. And similarly with sugar cooperatives, the dynamics are somewhat different in terms of these newer kinds of uh, you know institutions that are getting set up. Some of them don't have the same size and scale uh, that might attract political interest. Uh, and there are also these alternative ways of institutions that have been created, one of which is the dairy producer companies that have been formed under the NDDB dairy services. So in which there are clear bylaws that suggest that if you have an ambition to become a a member of a panchayat or a member of a political party, you do not have the right to continue as a board of director or you can't stand for elections, etc. Now, whether that's a good option or not, that's a response to the excessive centralization, I mean, politicization that has gone on. But uh, yeah, I mean, you cannot separate politics from cooperatives. And therefore, again, just going back to Gandhi uh, and the possible alternate route where civil society has a larger, uh, you know, space and stakes, that would be something we would look forward to. Okay. So, uh, there have also been plans, uh, there have been news reports uh, which refer to to a proposal to set up a cryptocurrency bank in association with a multi-state cooperative. I mean, this is a completely new development, which is a departure from what we have seen in the sector so far. So how do we understand it in the context of uh, India's cooperative uh, sector, the needs of its beneficiaries and the new ministry? I think this is still very early days. Uh, and um, I mean, the cryptocurrency guidelines are still probably getting worked out. Uh, but again, I mean, given the potential of the capital and the possibility of possibility of using the cooperative route to this, I'm sure there would be greater interest in this, which has happened even in the, you know, the FPO sector, people trying to access resources or capital through this. Uh, The concern would be that uh, if the regulatory framework is not very clear, it would tend to try and, you know, uh, centralize capital in certain directions. So I think it's important to get the regulatory framework clear because two things about the cooperatives will that will continue to be extremely important, uh, you know, as we go ahead, is the fact that uh, you know cooperatives as institutions are important mechanisms to reduce inequality, and especially after post after COVID, the inequality in the country is increasing. So sometimes investing in these institutions can make a difference. So you rather than leaving it alone to completely individual hands, which probably are unregulated, keeping them within the frame of a, uh, you know, a cooperative might be a better option. Uh, But again, I think the important part is to try and provide a futuristic vision of the cooperative sector, which currently is doesn't seem to be the discourse. There's so much discussions happening uh, in other countries about the directions that the cooperatives can take. And somehow there is a link with the concept of a, uh, you know, solidarity economy uh, and a solidarity in a social and solidarity economy. And I think 
we need to be thinking ahead in terms of uh, directions that the cooperative sector should be take should be taking rather than look at it as something which is uh, you know something we have to survive because of commitments to whatever we made in our earlier plans and so on the faith in cooperatives is uh, is something that uh, one would like to see much more uh, in terms of it being aligned to the principles of cooperatives that uh, have been enunciated either internationally or even nationally and somewhere the ministry is not able to perhaps articulate this as much as it possibly should and whether it's cryptocurrency or other sectors i think that issue still remains professor prasad uh, finally just uh, the last question to wind up uh, this episode you made two very uh, critical points with regard to this entire debate one is that cooperatives are are, are a significant tool uh, in terms of trying and reducing uh, inequality which has been on the rise and secondly uh, they are uh, an aspect of trying to bring about a solidarity economy to use a phrase you use so in this context there are also other questions which keep coming up uh, such as uh, the differential treatment uh, between a private sector operating in a particular area vcv the cooperatives were operating in the same area and there have also been concerns which you refer to also about regulation if you if you look at for example the demonetization months i mean the co- cooperative uh, banks in gujarat had a kind of a certain role to play which we have uh, read about in news reports which are not very positive so going forward uh, what do you think is the best way or a, a few pointers which you would which you would like to recommend in terms of a policy framework that could make the cooperatives work for their intended beneficiaries you know by addressing their capital requirements and so on so i think one of the uh, i mean i'll have to bring this up because this is one of the ways of looking forward is to relook at other ways in which the cooperatives have been imagined and that's why the work of dr vargis kurian becomes important uh, this is the centenary year of uh, dr vargis kurian's birth and we are hoping to have a series of conversations around this i think the important point especially after covid is the fact that cooperative institutions can provide more benefits to their members in a bad year uh, in comparison to private kinds of enterprises and in terms of increasing inequality that we are going to see or uh, possibly many people going back into poverty in some sense because of the pandemic and loss of livelihoods uh, the cooperatives do have a potential to address some of this and many cooperatives have done so as well and i think it's an important uh, element to try and learn from some of the better functioning cooperatives how they have been governed governance is a very important aspect of cooperatives because they are meant to be member controlled or member owned institutions and very often the members themselves are you know coming from the poor communities and so on so investment in member education is such an important element uh, in terms of taking things forward so sometimes we are uh, you know kind of sad to see the investment in capacity building and training that is there in some of the newer policies so i think a lot needs to be can be done and if the government of india is serious a new thrust and energy can be provided to uh, the the ministry of cooperation but again going back to dr kurian much of the milk revolution would not have been possible if ndb and amul was 
kind of headquartered in New Delhi. So we'll have to find places and Dr. Kurian fought for it very, uh, very hard. And I think to retain the autonomy of these institutions is a critical element of taking the direction forward. Government support is important. Public investment is necessary. But government control is something that could be the bane of the cooperatives. So one is worried whether this Sahakarita se samriddhi would end up as Sarkar se samriddhi. And that is not the direction in which we would like to go forward. Right. Government uh, support is essential, but that shouldn't translate into government control because autonomy is uh, very important. That's a very important thought, uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Prasad. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this episode. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Sambra. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.